Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Dave V and Paul M. Jeff Clark has returned to the show today. Jeff is editor of the Delta Report, an options trading service designed around Jeff's longstanding experience in the market and his options expertise. You can learn more about Jeff's work by visiting jeffclarktrader.com. Jeff, how are things in your office this morning? Oh, things are busy as all get out, Andrew. Well, Jeff, you've been on the show before, but for the mm -hmm. new audience that's uh, on the show now, briefly give us your resume. Well, I guess it's a, it's a lengthy one. I've been uh, trading the market for, gosh, I guess almost 40 years now. Um, I started when I was 18 years old and um, have just kept on doing it. You know, I got my broker's license when I was 18, uh, run, a, run my own money management firm for a couple of decades, and then retired from that gig, um, gosh, I guess it was 2003, 2004, somewhere in that range. And uh, stayed at home with my my kids and my wife, and and just traded on my own, and and wrote newsletters about trading. So um, I guess I'm celebrating now 17 years in the newsletter business, which you know is is was supposed to be a hobby, <laughs> but it's become so much more than that. It's definitely become sort of a, a full time job here. And, uh, you know, these, these markets today, boy, I'll tell you, you know, I, I can sit here and ramble off my, my resume, but boy, there's nothing that gets you used to what's been going on in the markets today. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And appreciate you sharing that with us. And, and certainly you've been around a while, you've been through a few cycles and it's good to have a guy like you out there sharing your information and opinions and experience with other folks out there. So that's a good thing. Well, let's move on and get to the topics here. Sure. Um, so last time you were on the show, we were in the midst of a market correction of October through December 2018. And for reference, uh, we're recording this prior to market open on 13 March 2020. So we've got the S&P around the 2580 level, but with potential to test the December 2018 2400 area on the S&P. Jeff, what are you seeing out there and have we seen the end of this bull market? Well, gosh, I didn't realize that the last time I was on your show, we were in the middle of a correction, too. I, maybe we ought to note this for the future, Andrew. <laughs> Next time you have me scheduled, maybe we just buy a bunch of puts two weeks before <laughs> I'm due to show up on your show. Um, you know, I think I think we're at the tail end of this. You know, it was interesting. I was reading all the headlines yesterday, um, and obviously yesterday was was a horrendous day for, for stocks. The S&P was down about almost 10%. Um, and you see the headlines, you know, it's always the worst day since October 19th, 1987, or it's the, uh, you know, sentiment is more bearish now than it was in March of 2009, or, you know, things are oversold, more oversold than they were, you know, Christmas Eve 2018, that sort of stuff. And it occurred to me as I was reading all these things, which are, are very you know, inflamed headlines, um, and granted, it's it's justified to be a little bit inflamed at the moment, but every single one of those dates, uh, you know, we look back on them now and think, gosh, that was a really good time to be buying stocks. And I have a feeling we're probably going to look at this day um, a few months from now and, and say pretty much the same thing. 
The last thing you feel like doing when the market is falling apart like this is to step up and buy because it's just so difficult, so emotionally wretching to do. But that turns out to be oftentimes the best thing you can do. Um, you know, folks were, were anxious to, to buy stocks three weeks ago. You know, three weeks ago when the S&P was, was up around 3,300 and making new all-time highs, you couldn't turn on a financial television show without folks saying, hey, you got to get on board. And now none of those people are saying that anymore. Now it's everybody is, is bunkered down. And, and um, I don't know, it seems it seems it doesn't take a genius to realize it's a, it's a, probably a lot better to be buying when the S&P is at 2,500 than when it's at 3,300. So I do think we're, we're very close to the end of this. If yesterday did not mark the, um, the low with the S&P down around 2480, um, I think we're awful close to it. And what's your thoughts on the bigger bull market? Are we, is it over here? You know, we see stuff about, uh, you know, companies drawing down credit lines. We, we see uh, potentially uh, some added stress these last few weeks in the credit markets. We've seen the Fed step up with different uh, policies from interest rate cuts to pumping potentially uh, over a trillion dollars into the market. We've seen Australia uh, pump some money into the market here. There seems to be a coordinated effort. Do you see that these efforts are going to subside where we are? And, and do you see that this market has still got some legs to it, Jeff? Or do you think we're, we've seen the highs? Uh, we've seen the highs. This is, you know, let, let's clarify one thing for, for all your listeners. I am definitely a trader. I, I like to be in in the morning and out in the afternoon if I can do that. And so when I say I think it's a, it's a wonderful time to buy, I'm buying today not with the expectation that I'm going to hold for six months or a year. I'm buying today with the expectation that I'll be selling these positions out within a week or two. So, um, you know, let's let's just keep that out there. So, you know, if we have a conversation a week from now, I might talk something completely different um, based on what the market has done. So, I do think uh, I, I do think we've seen the highs uh, for this particular bull market. I mean, gosh, it's been a what a ten-year-long bull market. That's that's it's a lot to ask for. <laughs> it's a lot to ask for it to go much further than that. So, I don't think we're going to see. Uh, 20 or 3380 again on the S&P, at least not um, not this year. Um, I, I think we'll probably uh, play a little bit more around these levels. But I also think that we've fallen so hard so fast that you know if we liken this to a rubber band, we're pretty much outstretched to the downside here. So even if we don't see new all-time highs, gosh, you could get a, a 10 or a 15 percent pop higher. In fact, I'm looking at the futures market this morning, and, and we're limit up. Five percent already. So, um, gosh, you know, if, if we're if we're up ten percent between now and Monday, then yeah, it looked like it was a good time to buy yesterday. But I don't know that I would chase stocks um, if they run ten percent higher. So I, I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth at this point because I've said I think the stocks were near the end of the correction. But I'm also eyeing things, looking a little bit further down the road. Like I said, I don't think we're going to see new all-time highs, but we could get a really, really strong bounce from here. Yes, and I believe March would mark 11 years, and so I guess you know we certainly saw this bull run so far 10 years, 10, 11 months, so almost almost 11 years. Mm -hmm. So what indicators are you looking at and key metrics going forward, and how do you see investors should prepare themselves for higher volatility from here? You know, volatility is an interesting animal. Um, we, we went through a period of, of very low volatility that lasted quite a while. 
and now we're seeing a, a period of extremely high volatility. And, and see, that's the thing about volatility is it, it goes back and forth. You know, the markets are constantly going from periods of low volatility to periods of high volatility and, and back again. So with the, the volatility indexes, got it close to 75 yesterday, which is, that is just a remarkable number considering it was at 12 uh, three weeks ago. Um, I, I do think we're going to see uh, at least a, a few more weeks of a relatively elevated uh, volatility level. So I, I think that's out there. In terms of indicators, you know, I, I do pay a lot of attention to technical indicators and I pay a lot of attention to sentiment. And one of those things is volatility. But I also look at things like the McClellan oscillators. We look at the put call ratio. We look at all sorts of things to try to determine where the market is. I view technical analysis maybe a little bit different than most folks do. You know, we're looking at charts. We're looking at um, all these indicators to try to figure out where the market was and, and if it can give us an idea of where it's going. But I look at it more of a as a psychological thing. I like to use the technical indicators to tell me what, how the market is um, behaving from a psychological perspective. You know, are, are people wigging out? Are people excited? Or, or and that sort of thing. And I, I tend to be more of a contrarian trader. So when everybody else is bullish, I'm going to lean bearish. And when everybody is bearish, I'm going to lean bullish. So obviously it doesn't surprise you that, that you know, I'm in the market buying right now. Uh, and that's that's how I view uh, technical stuff. It, it really just tells me um, what the what the emotions are around the market right now. And frankly, the emotions are just, you know, people are going bonkers. Um, and that tends to be a, a, usually a pretty good time to buy. Yep, absolutely. Jeff, if we are headed lower over a longer period of time, and if, if this is the start of a, of a bear market, can you speak to your use of cash and gold in your portfolio? What are the purposes that they will be playing in your portfolio? Can you speak to potential allocation? And if we are, again, in a decline over the longer term, say 30% and beyond, mm -hmm. uh, will cash and gold play a majority role in your portfolio? Um, it's hard to say. Cash always plays a, a pretty large role in my portfolio. I always like the idea of having cash for um, events such as what we're going through. You know, if you don't have any cash available and the market backs off 10%, you know, you don't have anything to buy with. So I'm always less than 100% invested. And I'll tell you, it was a little bit difficult to, to maintain that position when, you know, the market was moving higher earlier this year and every single day it would go up. And I, I would hear from readers saying, hey, you know, how come we're not buying stuff? Well, because it just didn't make sense at that time. And now it makes a little bit more sense. And, and fortunately, yeah, I'm, I would say that most of uh, what I do, the, the, the cash is there um, and we're able to buy into this. It, it's a horrible position to be in when you have a market correcting like this and you're 100% in or you're 100% margined. And now instead of being able to buy at these low prices, you're forced to sell to meet margin calls. That's just right. a, a, that, you know, I mean, I've lived that before, too. You know, I've made those mistakes, you know, when I was younger. Um, that's a difficult position to be in. So I always like the idea of having cash. And, of course, um, I like the idea of owning gold, although gold hasn't done what it what it was supposed to do <laughs> during this market correction. Right. And then gold was down uh, 70 bucks an ounce yesterday. And most gold stocks got just absolutely obliterated as well. So um, it's tough to say when, when the selling hits like it did yesterday, um, everything gets sold, whether it's gold or bonds or, or, or stocks. You know, just everything is, is red and gets sold. 
but I do like the idea of holding gold. I own gold myself. Uh, I've owned it for decades now. I probably have a little bit less now than I had maybe a year ago uh, because as a trader, I'll move in and out depending on what the price does. And I'm looking for slightly lower prices at which to, to start buying it again. But I think, you know, any sort of a conservative oriented portfolio is going to have a, a relatively high degree of cash and a, and a, and a pretty decent holding of, of gold. In terms of allocations, I don't know. I've got as high as, you know, 25% of my account being in gold. I don't think that that's too large uh, given my particular outlook of things. A lot of folks are down around two, three, four, five percent. You know, it's whatever's whatever's comfortable. Um, again, it's something that is designed as a I don't want to say hedge because that seems almost uh, redundant when you're carrying cash and gold at the same time. But it's it's really designed as an insurance policy. Let's put it that way. So I think anywhere from five to twenty five percent of one's account in gold uh, seems to make sense. Yes, and ha how about cash? Where do you typically stand on that point? Well, again, because I'm a trader, um, you know, the, the, if you ask me what's my perfect day, my perfect day would be 100% in cash in the morning, trade like crazy all day long, and be 100% in cash <laughs> by the time the, the closing <laughs> bell rings. Yeah. Um, but obviously, that's not realistic. Uh, I probably have, I, I carry a lot of cash. I, I think about half of my account is, is typically cash because I, I like it to be mobile. I'd like to be able to move in and out of things. And because of yesterday's action, and I was actually in the market, I've been buying uh, stocks this week. Um, so I was feeling a little bit of pain yesterday, but it looks like that pain will, will be relieved a little bit today. Um, but I'm probably, I'm probably at about 80% invested now, which is, which is larger than I've been um, in months. I, I haven't had this much put into the market, I would say, since, um, since late 2018. Very well. And I would just say back to gold a little bit. Um, even though we had the decline uh, yesterday, gold has been acting very well over really the last two years or at least last year. So we've had, uh, I think it's outperforming right now, even with yesterday's decline. So we'll see how that continues to go. Well, so let's go back a little bit. Let's talk a little bit bigger picture. So, you know, as you know, around the world, central bankers are not only slashing interest rates to zero and beyond, but some of them are juicing the market with uh, buying equities uh, outright. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on mm -hmm. people moving into other asset classes as a result of those central bank policies? And do you see that the efforts of these central banks are no longer important to the market when it comes to further upside? Oh, that's a boy. <laughs> we could talk for hours on this one. You know, I, I think the, the central banks have, they've gone beyond what their original role is supposed to be, right? The, the, the Fed, I think, was was supposed to maintain uh, a steady value of the dollar, and of course, that's no longer their their mission. They they seem to be existing to prop things up, and you know they haven't. We haven't gotten to the situation where our Fed actually goes out and buys stocks yet, but um, they can certainly influence banks, and you know banks can go out and do the Fed's bidding for them. So I, th I think the, the Fed has gotten away from what its original purpose was supposed to be, and, and to the extent that they involve themselves in the markets, I think it's a shame because it takes some of the purity out of the markets. Now, having said that, there's obviously a vested interest in you know for our government and for the stock market to con continue to moving higher. I mean, nope. President Trump was was basically a lock on a re-election. You know, as the stock market kept moving higher, and now you start thinking, well, gosh, um, 
if we had the stock market to go on after this this week's action, maybe he's not quite so much of a lock anymore. So point is, is the Fed is probably much more active than it should be for a healthy market environment. And it takes some of the purity out of it. So uh, folks like you and me and, and your listeners who you know buy stocks and, and look to invest for whatever our own personal reasons are, um, we sometimes don't get the opportunity to do that because we never get the purity in the market. We never we ne- we don't get the the opportunity to invest as the market backs and fills. Yeah, and taking it a little bit further, Jeff, maybe you can comment on this. If the United States goes to zero or negative interest rates, which obviously the real rate we already know is is really already negative, but in the case that folks with savings start to be attracted to other asset classes that could potentially, obviously with more risk, provide better return than than savings in a bank. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. with the policy changing in the US, which I think it will go that direction, do you see that there would be a lot more inflow into the markets? Or do you see at this point that that is, given what's going on in the market, do you see that that really is not going to have much of an impact at this point? You know, if you asked me this three months ago, um, I'd have said, yeah, folks are going to move their money out of the bank and, and put it in the markets because, you know, what is it? There is no alternative, right? You have to get some sort of return. And if you're not getting anything in the banks, uh, you got to, I mean, you can buy stocks with it and get, you know, whatever modest little dividend your your stocks might pay. Um, you, you certainly can't buy treasury bonds here. You know, a 10-year treasury yields less than a percent, a 30-year treasury just over 1%. Um, that just seems silly. Um, money would flow into gold. Gold would be, you know, a natural purchase just here. I mean, why own, why keep money in your bank account, especially if you go to negative rates where you wind up actually having to pay the bank to hold your money. I think people just take their money out and, you know, go buy gold coins or, or gold bullion and, and sit on that. Um, so I do think that there's this motivation to move money into the markets because of the interest rate policy, because the Fed has gone to this uh, near zero rate. Um, but after this week's action, when you know the, the markets make the hiccup that they have and all of a sudden you know stocks are 10 or 20% below where they were just two weeks ago, um, people are reminded that there is risk. You know, there, there might not be an alternative to owning stocks, but, or the only alternative I guess becomes cash. And so cash um, with zero return is better than the stock market with a negative 10%. So I think this particular market route we've been through is shaking folks up enough to where maybe if the Fed had the intent of getting people to take their savings and put it in the market, um, that intent gets pushed by the wayside after this week's action. Yeah, I agree. I think that you have a good point there, and that's that's a good position to take because I, I do believe that the fear part of it recently is certainly prevailing. Well, let's move over. Let's talk about the natural resource sector for a moment. I know you dabble over there at at different times, and I know you're a gold equity uh, person uh, in and out. Gold equities, will these stocks, maybe the producers, will they remain in your portfolio during a bear market, or will you fully step aside and wait out this sector? Well, I stepped aside um, a year ago, almost a year ago. I think it was around June or July last year where I had most of my gold stocks and I cashed out of them. Um, I think at the time GDX was trading around 28, and I, I just I didn't like the setup that you had in the commercial uh, marketplace. You had uh, basically commercial traders with a with a historically large short position in gold. So um, I turned short-term bearish on gold, 
And that didn't work out, you know, quite as well as I would have liked it to. I'm told GDX got up around 31, um, was trading around 31 just a, a few weeks ago. Today it's at 23. I think GDX closed at 23 yesterday. And now I'm looking at going back into it. Um, now I think we've seen enough of a correction in the gold equities. Uh, and it happened literally all within the past two weeks. Uh, we've seen enough of a correction to where it's attractive again. And so I like that. And I like it especially because, you know, as you pointed out, gold has had a, a good couple of years. Gold's trading around $1,580 an ounce right now. And these gold equities are back down to where they were when gold was trading around $1,300. Um, that seems to me to be a, a reasonable um, a reasonable level to, to start building up again. And so I've gone from where I, I had my full complement of gold stocks a year ago and then cashed out of almost all of them. Um, I'm now looking at putting that money back to work. And, it, and truly, uh, I was shocked that yesterday that the gold stocks got hit as hard as they did. I think they got hit worse than the, what the broad market. You know, the broad market was down 10%. I think most gold stocks were down 15% or so. And that's an unusual situation when you have gold stocks to hedge <laughs> against a market disruption and the market gets disrupted and your hedge doesn't work. So. Yes, that's right. And yeah, you've got that about <laughs> right because you did have a, a quite a washout yesterday. And if there is further declines, of course, we've seen where the gold stocks, namely the producers, can be kind of a first responder. If the gold price holds up quite well, those stocks can be one of the first set of equities to actually snap back to get back yeah. in line with the price. So we've seen that before, and I think you probably have a, a good setup starting around this area uh, once again. Well, Jeff, let's move over to, let's talk about, we've talked about this before, the small uranium sector and keeping promises to our audience to bring this up. In our understanding of the sector, we remained fully convinced that it provides one of the most certain outcomes we've seen in all markets. The only question, of course, is the timing. Do you remain to be exposed to this sector for the long term? Yes, I do. You know, uranium is, boy, this is, we've been calling for, you know, an eventual rally in uranium and uranium equities for, gosh, we, since before you and I started talking, um, and that's over a year ago. And it's just nothing has happened. Nothing's, nothing's been going on with them. I mean, it's hard to hold equities when there's, when there's no action. But that market, just from a supply-demand perspective, has to, at some point, has to turn. And it's really just a question of when, not if. But we've been talking if now for, for several years. You know, uranium has been dead. So I still own some uh, small uranium companies, and they've, you know, they've basically been a, an anchor and anchor not in a good way, an anchor in a weighing down my portfolio uh, because they haven't gone anywhere. Um, but I think it's one of those things where, you know, one day you'll turn on your computer and all of a sudden you'll see these things are up 35, 40, 50% in a day, and that'll mark the, the start of the new bull market in uranium. Um, but it's, you just, you got to bide your time. And, you know, as a trader, it's difficult for me to, to, to have a large position in anything until they actually start to move. So I just have very small positions in uranium equities right now, even though I think the potential there is phenomenal. I think, you know, of, of all sectors, um, that's probably the one with the most upside potential, but it's just, I, I've been saying that for a year and it, it just hasn't happened. Yep, absolutely. And we've been saying it since 2017 and uh, it has been a long road with these last couple of weeks, Jeff, we've seen most of sector equities get cut by about 50% just in the last few weeks. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, but, well, you have a liquidity yeah. issue there too, you know? When, oh when, yeah. 
there's nobody around to buy and somebody shows up to sell a small cap stock, um, you know, the price just disappears. Yes. No, it's a fantastic opportunity. I'm not speaking negatively. I think it's it's really an incredible buying opportunity for folks that have solvency in this sector because it is so small and mm -hmm. very explosive. I think the total market cap now of, of sector companies is down around the $6 billion mark uh, U.S., so it, it's pretty impressive to some degree that you can buy that type of supply to an energy sector. That is just remarkable to me. So we yeah, have we have a very time. good setup, and the certainty level to us over the years that we've researched, going back to 2015, 2016, and then becoming really officially bullish in 2017. As we continue to do research and refine our positions and strategy at this point, it is again, without a doubt one of the most highest certainty outcomes in the market. The only question is, can you stay solvent long enough to see that through? Exactly. Yep. Well, let's move back to the broad market for a moment and wrapping up here, Jeff. Uh, tell okay. us what your plan is on the downside from here. Give us a little bit more information. How are you planning to trade this choppy market? I know there's gonna be uh, some substantial snapbacks. And mm -hmm. can you just go ahead and speak to how you're generally going to trade that um, from, from sure. both a hedge standpoint on the short side and on the long side as this plays out. Yeah, I think you have to um, go back to 2008 and, and use the, the playbook that worked in 2008. And what I mean by that is, is in 2008, I had a really nice year. Um, and that may not be surprising since I, I tend to be bearish on stocks overall. And, and 2008 was a good year to be bearish. But most of the trades I made in 2008 were actually from the long side of the market. And it's because volatility was heightened during that year. And you had this situation where, you know, the proverbial rubber band would get so overstretched that all you really had to do was wait until it was stretched until you know, it hit just about maximum and then start buying. And then, you know, you get these, these wicked bounce back rallies and truly within a day or two, you could cash out of that and then go to the sidelines again and wait for another setup. And that's all I did in 2008 is I waited until the market got oversold and I'd buy and then I'd sell as we came back to neutral. And then when things got overbought, that's when I would put on short positions and I'd, I'd buy those back when things moved back to neutral. So you're just basically taking advantage as the market volatility ramps up. And I think we'll have similar opportunities uh, to do that um, for the rest of this year. You know, like I said, I, I started buying this week. Um, into oversold conditions that I was buying quite a bit yesterday as, as the market got stretched. And it, it felt horrible to do that because it was just, you know, you're watching prices uh, decline moment by moment and there was just no buying pressure whatsoever. But, you know, we've been through this before. And so you take advantage of those opportunities. And I will probably unload a little bit of what I bought yesterday as, as the market snaps back today. Um, I don't need to, to maximize my gains um, on any one particular move to this. So it's just a matter of, you know, moving in slowly as, as, as the conditions get overstretched in one direction and then, you know, sl slowly moving back out as, as things come back to normal. And so, you know, I'll, I'll wear out the analogy of the rubber band, but it works really, really well. You, you just basically wait for things, for conditions to get outstretched and you start buying and then you sell as conditions come back to neutral. And I, I think that's the playbook that we have to go on here. So whether or not stocks can, can rebound immediately from here, which I don't think is going to happen, but, um, you know, like I said, I don't think we're going to see new all-time highs again, um, certainly not for many, many, many months. 
but I think you'll have lots of opportunities to trade as people run back and forth. And, you know, you, you're sort of seeing that already this past week. You know, we've, we've had I mean, thousand point moves in the Dow. Uh, I, I think seven or eight of the past 10 trading days, we've had a thousand point move in the Dow during the day. That's wild. You just don't see that sort of stuff. And it's, and it's, if you're trying to catch every move, um, you know, you're, you're dealing in chaos. So just wait for conditions to line up the way that you typically like to trade them and trade them that way and try to be as unemotional as possible. Um, it was really, really tough to, to buy yesterday, but I knew from my own personality, I knew when, when I'm feeling as uncomfortable buying as I did yesterday, I know it's the right thing to do because I've been doing this for um, going on almost 40 years now. And anytime my emotions get, get anytime my intestines get all tied up like they were yesterday, um, it usually proves to be a profitable maneuver. And Jeff, can you speak a little bit more about, are you using predominantly stocks at this point to do some of these trades given the market conditions now? Are you using ETFs? Are you using options? Can you kind of speak just a little bit more detail on kind of what vehicles you're using? Sure. Well, I'd, I'd love to trade options. And right now you have um, extremely high volatility. So with the VIX is elevated as it is, options are ridiculously expensive. So uh, a lot of what I did yesterday was I was selling uncovered put options. So on stocks that, um, you know, you want to own anyway, let's say you wanted to buy Intel, you know, rather than buying Intel for $47 a share yesterday, I would sell to somebody else the right to buy it at $47 a share and I would pocket the premium. And those premiums are 10%, 15% for, you know, a, a contract that expires, you know, in two weeks. Um, that's, that's a pretty fat price. If you're trying to speculate and buy options here, this is a tough environment to be an option buyer because they're just so expensive. Um, you know, you've got to see a 15% move in the underlying stock just to, to break even um, based on the, the premiums you have to pay for the contract. So it's hard to do that. And that typically is what happens when the market is, is falling the way that it has been uh, this past week is you do see option premiums inflate. So you think, oh, this would be a great time to be trading options. Well, it's, it's not really because they're, they're just too expensive. They're already uh, mimicking the, the potential moves. So you have to be able to uh, use other strategies. Like I said, I, I was selling uncovered puts. Um, you know, three weeks ago when the VIX was sitting around 12 or so, you could use options for other things. They were a lot cheaper. Um, but now you're, you're talking about a VIX that's five times that level. So your average option price is basically five times what it was a few weeks ago, even if the stock hasn't moved. So, um, you know, like I said, I was selling uncovered puts. I, I think for the average uh, listener, if you don't have the ability to sell uncovered puts, you're you're probably better off buying stocks than you are uh, trying to buy call options at this point. And Jeff, before we go, can you tell the audience a little bit more about your trading service and why they should consider it? If you, if you like any of the things I've been saying here today, then that's why you would consider my trading service. I've been doing this, like I said, for almost 40 years. Um, I focus on options. Um, I, I know them very well, and I think um, we have uh, a pretty phenomenal track record with uh, Delta Report. And you know, I, I, I can sit here and just brag on myself for a little bit, or you can you can go to JeffClarkTrader.com and and check out some of the stuff that we already have here. Uh, but yeah, I, I I trade options and I write about the trading options. So when I make recommendations in my service, it's usually an option-oriented trade. Okay, Jeff. And also, what is the best way for the audience to learn more about your work? Is it the website? Yeah, absolutely. And you can sign up. Um, you know, I write three, four essays a week. 
on a free service, which is also at jeffclarktrader.com. So you could sign up for that. There's no cost to any of it. You get my my thoughts on the market. One of the essays out there this morning is is what we were talking about today, how I was looking to buy yesterday. Uh, we talked about oil. We talked about gold uh, maybe a week or, or so ago. Um, it, it's I'm going to pat myself on the back here, but it's a you, you're not going to find a free e-letter um, that is more valuable than what I write uh, three or four times a week. And I, I say that as humbly as possible, but I put a lot of effort into that. And if you if you become a subscriber to Delta Report, that's great. But really, if you just pay attention to what we're doing on the on the free stuff, uh, you can do pretty well as well. I certainly recommend our audience start by going and signing up for the free stuff that you're writing a couple times a week. I think that's a good starting point for folks to to get comfortable with with what you're doing, and then maybe potentially move on from there. Well, Jeff. Uh, fantastic. Good Good to have a chat. Good to talk about the markets, and it's always a pleasure. Uh, good luck. Be safe, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Andrew. You take care, too.